I don't sleep very well. I wish I did. To be honest, a good night's sleep for me would be sometimes winding down around midnight or 12.30. Before you even think about it, it's not the coffee, all right? I know all the benefits of sleep. It just does not come easy for me. Now, Linda, on the other hand, I have said, has this wonderful gift of sleep. 10.30, she goes in. She says something to the effect, I'm going to read for a bit. I just roll my eyes and say, whatever, and five minutes later, she is gone. Now, where sleep may not come very easy for me, I have to admit that I've slept through life at times. I don't mean this an occasional afternoon nap. I mean basically being unaware, not mindful of what is going on around me and inside of me. I'm not sleeping through life as much as I'm sleepwalking through life. Now, I've known some bona fide sleepwalkers. I think my brother was actually one. They literally do walk and they literally do things like move stuff around on tables and turn TVs on and eat food out of the refrigerator. They're just totally unaware that they're doing any of that. And they have no memory of it the next morning. So sleepwalking through life can be that way. We're unaware of what we're doing, who we are, where we are going, and what we are experiencing. Author George Saunders um, expresses it this way. The scariest thought in the world is that someday I'll wake up and realize I've been sleepwalking through my life, underappreciating the people I love, making the same hurtful mistakes over and over, a slave to all of my neuroses, to my fear, and to the habitual. See, what I think he's saying is when we sleepwalk, we miss so much. We miss opportunities. We miss beauty. We miss experiencing the moment and what we are feeling. We miss out on the wonder of life itself. We miss the miracles that happen right in front of us, and not just the big miracles, but sometimes the very simple acts of grace and mercy or those moments of beauty and those moments of wonder, and sometimes even those significant transformations. This is why I think probably the most significant and transformative invitation in the spiritual journey is literally this, just simply to wake up. We don't often see it at first, but you do a close read of the scriptures, it reveals to us that those who travel this spiritual journey before us felt the same way. Jesus was constantly inviting his disciples and those who followed him to open their eyes, to look around them, to see how God's kingdom was At work in their presence, Jesus came to wake up the world. He came up to wake up humanity to the fullness of God's reign, to the fullness of God's rule. Who is God? What does God's kingdom look like? Jesus said, wake up, open your eyes. It's right in front of you. In his own understanding, Paul felt that God was so present that folks needed to wake up. He wrote to the Roman Christians this verse, The hour has already come for you to wake up from your sleep. Now our salvation is nearer than than when we first had faith. Or to the Ephesians, he wrote these words. Everything that is revealed by the light is light. Therefore, it says, wake up, sleeper, get up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And the Old Testament prophets, they were simply sent by God to the people of God just simply to wake them up and to return to God. So either out of spiritual complacency, either out of routine, either out of sleepiness that 
can set into the most seasoned spiritual traveler, this necessity of waking up really does exist. Even the church in general can fall asleep. Last night I came across this tweet from one of the church's leading thinkers. His name is Leonard Sweet, and he had this to say. Quote, the church is the sleeping giant of our time, the most underrated power for good in the world today. And I'm sure there's other organizations as well, but basically what he's saying is the church is this unbelievable resource of goodness and power and kindness and, and ministry, and it's a sleeping giant. And as Mike read this morning, sometimes it's easy just simply to rely on our reputation. Our reputation in the neighborhood, our reputation in a conference, our reputation for our history, our reputation for our past. And what the Spirit says to that church, it's just not always good enough. Wake up to the inbreaking of God's presence right now in our life, in our world. Well, life becomes routine then, too routine at times. We step back from the challenges, the encounters out of our control. We avoid stepping out of our comfort zones, and we stay with what we know. We, ex- we, we back off from those experiences of painful moments, those life-jarring experiences, but the moment passes. And we go back to life as usual, which is usually life as safe or life as comfortable. But somehow that restlessness, that, that nagging, nudging in our soul, that verse out of Song of Psalms that says, I slept but my heart was awake. It keeps at us, saying to us maybe in words, there's something more. There's something else. Don't miss it. Listen. Pay attention. Our hearts will not let us sleepwalk through life. I guarantee you that. They will keep at you and they will keep at me until we finally pay attention to our heart. Now, we'll do one of two things. We'll either just not pay attention to our heart or we'll totally numb it with other things. Busyness, activity, stuff, whatever our choice may be. But we'll just try to quiet our heart so it will not bother us anymore. So how's your heart nagging you? How is your heart keeping you awake? We're reading a book in our Digging Deeper group on um, Sunday nights, tonight at 5. It'll be one of our times that we're meeting. It's called Pilgrimage of the Soul. And the author writes this. Her first name is Philena. She has a last name. I just can't pronounce it, but her first name is Philena. And here's what she says. The Christian journey begins with an invitation to wake up from our sleepfulness. And by waking up, we determine to embark on this spiritual journey. And not just once. I believe we experience more than one wake-up moment in our spiritual journey. Now, when I wrote that, and I sort of developed that thought last night at 12 o'clock midnight, I began to think of all these multiple moments of waking up that I've experienced in my own spiritual journey. There was that moment of awakening when I first came to faith. And I experienced God's deep love in such a way that I felt at home finally with God. I grew up in a church home. I went to church from the basically moment I was born. Cradle row all the way up until now. And that's great. It builds a real, a real 
foundation for your life. But even then, you do it enough times. As one of my friends says this morning as I was talking to him, sometimes it just becomes box checking. You're just checking things off the box. Go to worship, go to Sunday school, read your Bible, have your prayer. I checked off the box. So by the time I'd reached high school or maybe even college, I was a box checker. Just check these things off the box. And then there was this awakening where it was just more than that. It's not a box-checking spirituality. It is this calling, this journey, which I felt at home with God. And in many ways, God called me into pastoral ministry at that time. And I said, yes. I gave this big yes in my life, having no idea where I would be going. I just gave a yes. Years later, there was a wake-up call in my spiritual and pastoral journey in which I came to the realization that I was human and that I needed to do a much better job of taking care of myself. Otherwise, I would continually live on this edge of burnout and self-sabotage. In fact, I had come right up to the edge, literally right up the edge of a major soul meltdown. And it took an awful long time for me to reverse the effects and finally recover this healthy center. And I got to say this. I really need to say this. You folks have been a large part of that recovery and that journey back to wholeness and health. That and a very patient, loving, kind wife who gets her sleep at night because she has to live with me. I've had other moments of waking up which were not as dramatic, but they were significant nonetheless. These moments have served to shape who I am and who I'm becoming. So I don't think it happens just once. I think it happens more than once. But the question is, is when they happen, am I awake? Do I pay attention to them? Do I listen to them? Or do I just sort of slough them off and go on with business as usual? You know, I think early friends had a a word for this. Maybe this is how they meant the word, maybe not. But they used to talk about day of visitation. Those moments of God's grace and presence in breaking into our life where God became very real And those moments of visitation came, and we would sometimes miss them, and they would come again. But in missing that one moment, we would probably miss out on a lot. Now, the last few years, my moments of waking up have had to do more with my sense of call, reclaiming my true identity. I say reclaiming because it's often easy to give away our our identity to the lowest bidder. We want to please. We want to impress. We want approval. And so we lose our identity and other people's expectations, and I woke up and realized that God made me who I am. My particular gifts, my abilities, my talents, and passion, and that has has made me fully alive and continues to do so as I live that out as best as I can. But I think the most recent wake-up calls, or the recent wake-up call has come in the last few months, as we've journeyed together, and we have. We have journeyed together the last few months through some pain and through some loss. Some of you you very personal. Some of you have been very gracious who don't know these folks as personal, but you've journeyed with us sort of on the outside looking in, if I could use it that way. But we've journeyed together through this pain and loss. And through these experiences of pain, I've come to deeply appreciate first the importance of friendships and relationships and how much in a world that is so important where we feel alienated and separated from one another. But also through these experiences of loss, I have been awakened to the fragility of life and how each day truly matters and counts. 
and how I choose to spend those days and how I choose to spend those moments matters as well. That is huge for me right now. So what's challenging is to keep those wake-up moments alive. It's like your alarm going off in the morning like many others. My alarm has a snooze button. So when it wakes me up, I can hit that snooze button, boom, 10 more minutes of sleep. I can hit it again, boom, 20 more minutes of sleep. I can hit it again, boom, 30 minutes of sleep. And in hitting the snooze button, I disregard this wake-up call, and I choose to sleep a bit more. So when we get these spiritual wake-up calls in our life, we can choose to hit the snooze button. I can postpone waking up, and I can stay asleep, and I can do that by immersing myself in whatever I do to numb myself, stay crazy busy. I don't have to give any thought to the restlessness of my heart. I can keep myself so active I don't have to take time to listen to my heart. Sometimes we simply choose to not feel and we find ways to numb ourselves, but even to the point where we don't even allow ourselves to feel a sense of joy. And consequently, we hit that snooze button enough times we eventually become numb, even to the wake-up calls. And we fall into this sleepy routine of half-alive living, and we end up calling that a spiritual life. So how do we keep alive during those wake-up calls and those moments? Here's what I try to do, and I would share this with you. Listen to your hearts and listen to your life. Listen to them without editing them. That's, I think, what we tend to do. I'm supposed to be feeling this. No, just what do you feel? How does it feel? What is it saying to you? What is your life speaking to you? What emotions do I feel? What is my heart speaking? Where am I restless? Where am I scared? And as we listen to all this, ask yourself the question, what might God be speaking to me through all of this? You may not be able to answer that all on your own, so find someone to talk it through with. I think I'm going to get a call from Glenn this week, so, you know, let's get on that conference call. But instead of turning your heart off and down, listen to what your heart and your life is speaking to you. Even the painful parts. Because sometimes the painful, sometimes the sad, sometimes the disappointing parts have more to say to us than the really good stuff. Then lean into the invitation. In other words, lean into whatever your heart may be inviting you to do. Maybe your heart is inviting you to stretch yourself through living out your true gifts. Maybe your heart is inviting you to love again, to open yourself up again. Maybe your heart is inviting you to consider the direction of your life or the choices and telling you to turn around and go the other direction. And I just gave you a really nice way of talking about repentance, by the way, is to turn around and go the other direction. Maybe your heart keeps reminding you that you've settled for less and it's time to recommit or engage fully in your life again. And maybe your life or your heart is telling you, you know, You're going into a new transition. You're going into a new stage, a new chapter in your life. It's okay. This is what happens. Lean into it and see what it teaches you. And then I would just, what I try to do is learn from that wake-up moment. Allow your inward guide, the living Christ, to teach you whatever you need to know, to lead you wherever you need to go, to guide you through whatever you need to go through, to commit to whatever you need to commit to. How does my or how does your life and priorities need to be different? What needs to change? How can I go deeper? How can you go deeper? What next steps are there for us to take? So yes, they all start with L. Listen. Listen to your life and your heart. Lean into whatever invitation you hear being extended to you. Then just learn from that moment. 
There's a passage in 1 John which says we don't need any other teachers anymore. It's good to have them, preachers, Bible study leaders, people like Susie and our CE people who work with the kids. It's good to have them. But basically what 1 John says is you have this, the word he uses is anointing, the living Christ within us who teaches us everything we need to know. Your greatest spiritual resource already resides within each one of us to speak to us. You know, when I stay at hotels, I don't do wake-up calls anymore. I really don't. I did once. And the person assigned to call me fell asleep. (laughs) And didn't wake up, and so the call never came. I don't trust front desk wake-up calls anymore. And Linda will tell you, I'm a little OCD about it. I go through and I check my alarm at home about six or seven or eight times. I check my phone. I've, I've got like multiple alarms that are set. I'm ready to wake up. I don't want to miss it. But here's the thing. The wake-up calls from God have never missed. They've never been late. They've always been on time. And they've always done the job. They have woke me up. The question is this. Am I going to get up now and start living? Or am I going to hit the snooze button? And am I going to keep putting it So don't miss your wake-up call, friends. Don't miss it. You may have had it. It may be coming. It may be right now. But God seeks to wake us up from our slumber and to share with us what we need to know.